From the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. This is a companion podcast to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. If you haven't listened to today's story, we'd encourage you to pause and go listen to Reese Landstrom's episode on our companion podcast first. We can only play half the episode. So if you like what you hear, check out the full episode free on Vela. The link to the podcast and the Vela episode are in the show notes. So, Christine. Yes. How's your writing week been? Good. Uh, got an idea for the second part of Molecule Thief with my co-writer. So I just need some time to get that down. I'm like, okay, here's the next part. This is what we're writing. So that's been good. And I have got back to writing my novel a little bit this week, which... Woo. Has been on the back burner since June, so I'm glad to Excellent. do that. How, how many? You? No, oh, we're ahead. not done here. Okay. How no. many? <laughs> take it. Um, <laughs> how many episodes do you have of Molecule Thief so far? Forty nine. Nice. And yeah. how many are released? I think eighteen at this point have been released. So you have a fantastic backlog. I'm a stockpile. Yeah. I are think. you? Are you guys going to do like a season break? Yeah. So after 49 is the end of season one. And then we need to get start, start writing on the next part. So, yeah. I, I mean, if we get that done before 49 releases, we'll probably just put up right away. But yeah, you know, we might take a couple of week breaks if we need to get that all revised and proofed and beta read and all that stuff. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. How's your writing? I'm excited too. I'm just excited to have the first two arcs of both serials done. So yeah. that feels amazing. And looking forward to just now playing and doing whatever we feel like. So excellent. <laughs> we got a base. Awesome. Now it's just fun. Uh, how about you? How's your writing been going? Um, it has been going. <laughs> uh, but it's been going slowly. Oddly enough, I'm very slow at editing this stuff and I don't really know why. Um but I did just finish um, How to Write Manga by R.A. Patterson, and that was fantastic. Um, there is a piece of storytelling that I have been trying to figure out to do long-form serialized fiction where there may not necessarily be an ending in sight. And I really love how uh, this author described Japanese storytelling. Um and there'll be more discussion on this, the book club at right away. Shameless right away plug. podcast plug. I'm going to be listening for the cliff notes. I'm going to read it too, but I'm going to get mm -hmm. the cliff note version too. <laughs> but it's really cool because um, they basically like one of the key takeaways I took was in Western society, we have a lot of like man versus man, man versus environment. Like there's a lot of this versus this conflict that exists. Well, in Japanese storytelling, it's more about someone coping or existing within the environment. So it's more about man uh, with, I think is the term they used, or man um, with man or man with an environment. You know, basically, it's a different way of looking at storytelling. And I wish I could be the one to better explain it, but it'll be better explained in book club. Mm -hmm. um, and I it just it kind of clicked a few few bells and there's also a lot of really cool setups for plots uh, as general structure in there 
um, that has been tried and true for manga, which I firmly believe I will be using for the Vela storytelling. So I, I just found it super useful as a tool. So highly recommend How to Write Manga, R.A. Patterson. 100%. I'm definitely going to be reading that. Yeah. So that's all I got. Nothing nothing major, nothing awesome, but still just moving along on, on a little project that will eventually be seen at some point. Awesome. Can't ask for more than that. Forward progress. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready to talk to our, our person? Let's talk to our author. Let's do it. Woo. With us today is Reese Landstrom. We'll be discussing their spine-tingling ghost horror, America's Most Dangerous Ghosts. Okay, so we just wanted to talk a little bit about how you craft your stories and start with some of the things that we saw in it. So I just wanted to start first off talking about armature, which is like the theme of your story. So it seemed to be like you had a pretty clear thematic statement to me uh, in the first episode, which is make peace while you can, while you're still alive. (laughs) Otherwise, all you're going to have is regret. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering if you use a theme as a focal point in your stories or or how you incorporate that into your writing yeah i think that ghost stories are fun because they kind of all have that same idea about um about what's left undone um and so it is i guess in a way it's kind of an easy theme for for a ghost story um but as i said before this is a story that i kind of have an idea for where it's going in the future and um the mistakes that some of the major mistakes that that they make along the way and the things that they have to recover from um and so and, and kira is a, a character that i i have fun writing because uh she really tries to be a good person um but she doesn't live by very well by the thing that she she knows is, is, is about that whole no regrets kind of thing um she doesn't live that way and um and uh, so it so yeah so that's kind of how incorporating that theme of having her who knows this to be true and who believes this uh to to not be able to live it and i think that that's the way a lot of us are is the things that we know to be true we find ourselves day to day going oh i didn't i, I didn't I didn't do that and i need to go back and fix it and yeah, so. that's a that's actually one of my favorite things about like ghost stories mm-hmm. or uh, anything to do with like dealing with the afterlife mm-hmm. is usually the people that have to deal with the afterlife are not living by the way that they tell <laughs> those that they need to move on. Yeah. And so and I love that that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when it comes in terms of character, like it's almost like, you know, she's lying about her own self mm-hmm. by stating this theme and then not actually living by it. You know, she's she almost views that people can't accept her for the way she is. Mm-hmm. And then like that, she's not going to live this way that she's telling the spirits to. Yeah. Um, and so like in terms of character, like we, we kind of broke down like the lies that she tells herself mm-hmm. and the motivation on how she kind of moves forward in life and what she wants. Um, so for motivation, we saw that like she she wants to get her message out of moving past things that you have to make peace instead of regret. So like, that's her motivation to move forward. But then her lie is that she doesn't do that. <laughs> um, and that she wants to, to, to help the ghost, but it's almost like a method of deflection. And so I'm just really curious on like how, how you created this character and like what kind of process it was in creating her. Oh, wow. Um, Kira actually started, um, 
as like I can't again coming several I'm trying to to talk several a few years in the future without giving some important things that happen at the end of the season away um Kira started off actually as a character that has a lot more regret than she has right now um she in an attempt to to because uh, well, she started off kind of this concept of uh, a reality TV star and having to deal with that fame and how fame shows you in a certain light that's not who you really are and grappling with that dif differential between um, the, the spotlight on you and the media persona and who you are online and, and social media versus who you are with the people who know you best. Um, and I, I've always found that that fascinating. I mean, everyone I think wears a bit of a mask. Like we are a little bit like I was a school teacher. I behave differently as a teacher than I do with my friends, than with my family, you know. And um, but I think with fame, that gets just just compounded, um, and people's expectations are even higher, and any fall from grace is even bigger. Um, and so it, she actually kind of started with that is like, you know, that idea of that famous person with that fall from grace and how do you deal with that publicly versus how do you deal with that privately? Um, so, so that was kind of, I guess, the, the initial, um, the initial inspiration um, for her. Um, and I had something else to say about that, but my, my brain, it. so yes. <laughs> Well, I really think it's interesting uh, with that reality star part, too, is how you use mm -hmm. Jackson as an antagonist in mm -hmm. that regard, because he just wants to be mm -hmm. YouTube famous. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's really what he wants. That's his motivation. And, you know, he's, I'm, I'm going to be YouTube fam famous. And in this scene, mm -hmm. you know, to achieve that goal, he wants Kira to come to this hotel with him. So that's his major <laughs> want. But what he really needs is to be there for his friend. So he's... Yeah you know, kind of, kind of a friend. And he does eventually like end up being a good friend, but he is also a pretty good antagonist in this scene too, because he's kind of pushing mm -hmm. her to do things that she is not comfortable with. Yeah. Um, I love, Jackson's so fun to write because he does have, uh, um, I mean, what he's pushing Kira to do is in many ways good for her because he's pushing her to get out of her shell and to get out there, but he's not doing it really for her. <laughs> he's doing it for himself. Um, and Jackson's not a terrible person. Like he, he has, and, and he'll, he'll show some heroic qualities as it goes along. Um, but, but yeah, um, his relationship with Kira is often him getting Kira to do stuff that, to help him. Um, and uh, this is one place where writing right now has been, I think this was a much better time to write this than when I originally came up with the story because, um, with coming out of the pandemic, that actually starts to play into this and Jackson's uh, history of having graduated from film school and then gone into a pandemic with no chance of having a job. And so, um, you know, instead of, of starting the life that he really wanted and getting out of town and um, he, he ended up stuck back with his parents who, you know, working, uh, rebuilding motorcycles with them, which was not, not where he wanted to be. And so that kind of, um, that kind of collapse of, of, of expectation and of society and, and, and we're coming out of it, but how do we, how do we rebuild everything we lost? I, I feel, I, I very much feel for people who are coming out of college right, right now, um, because it's, it's, how do you, how do you start a new chapter of your life when the world is upside down? 
Um, and so I think this is actually a much better time in history to start the story than when I initially had it, because that that lends a lot of, of backstory to these characters that makes them, um, that gives them a lot of motivation. Um, so that's been good. I mean, the, the pandemic has not been good. I don't mean that. I just mean, but it's been, it's been, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been, been a good, good way to, way to, to, to introduce the characters because of the, their effect, its effects on them. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the, the rising antagonist of the scene, the, the ghost, um, we kind of see the, mm -hmm. the motivation of her is, you know, that she wants to, to show what happened to her and that she, she wants help. And kind of that need is that she needs to get past her murder. I'm curious, how, how do you go about developing the ghosts and are they different than when you develop characters or uh, like, what does that process look like? Yeah. Um, go it's been a lot of fun um, introducing the rules of ghosts and how ghosts work. Um, and also, because Kira hasn't spent a lot of time, you know, because Kira spent most of her life avoiding ghosts, she doesn't understand them as well as, um, as well as somebody who had spent her life actively going out and seeing them. So she actually, uh, there's a lot of things about, about the way they work that she doesn't understand um, that she will learn, you know, along the way. Um, but ghosts to me are um, stasis. They're like, so there's something that happened that has become all that they are. So unlike um, the living characters, ghosts don't really have layers. <laughs> you know, there's there's one motivation. It's very it's very straightforward, um, and and a lot of times it's just this um, it's this thing, almost like this anxiety spiral where where there's or, or a panic attack, um, which I, I actually used to have panic attacks, and and that idea that there's this one thing you can't let go of and it, it just spins and becomes who you are temporarily uh so in a way it goes kind of kind of work like that um and so julia is basically this horrible thing happened when she was trying to um um when she and hassan were having having a rough time because of, of family and cultural differences but she she loved him very much and then this 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 thing pulled her her away from him and so so that um so that's that's really what she is right now. Is she is this this person who is yanked out of the out of the life and the love that she wanted, both by her her family's disapproval and um, and literally by this this uh, abduction. So um, and yeah, and that story will kind of that we were talking a little bit. I was talking a little bit about like television. Um, that story of of what happened to Julia and and Hassan will play out uh, slowly over the course of the first season. Um, so we'll kind of find out what happened there as it goes along. I think that's fantastic. And I just wanted to talk a, a little bit about how you construct your, construct your scenes. I was delighted when I found out that this was a nonlinear construction in your first episode because I <laughs> love that. I know, I know some people hate it on The Witcher, but that nonlinear structure was brilliant. And I thought this structure was brilliant as well. Uh, and I just thought it was really interesting that the first scene was almost like the consequence of the second scene. So you get this, oh, yeah. this <laughs> retroactive motion when you're reading and you, all of a sudden you get that uh -huh mm -hmm. moment. And I just love that. So I thought that was delightful. Okay. Uh, but the first scene, I mean, there's a pretty uh, apparent conflict. So she's she doesn't want to talk about this on camera. She does not want to talk about mm -hmm. her ability, how she sees ghosts, because there's this possibility a rejection or people are going to see her as different or freaky and she's really 
prickly about it because she does not want to talk about her gift seriously. But then she does make the choice to do the interview, I guess, because she made her promise to Jackson. She does answer them honestly mm -hmm. and open them up a little bit more. And then uh, the consequence is that she gets out this message that she she has mm -hmm. inside her that I think it feels like she's been dying to share. So I'm just wondering when you um, construct your themes, do you think about conflict and the choices uh, that she has? Yes. Um, and the, the interviews, I actually had the idea of doing interviews because they, they always do that in reality TV, you know? Um, and when I, when I very first started writing Arctic Ghosts, the book, it was not done with that, with that format of the, of the television and what, um, and, um, and, and, but somewhere along the writing way, I was like, I want, I think I actually want this to, to work like a TV show and kind of show what, show what the camera sees. And there's a little bit of a cheat in there because like, basically if I can catch it, if it could be caught on camera, it, it, it counts. I don't, I don't. I do get a little bit into the characters' perspectives and, and things like that because I think that's what an actor would share, you know, a good actor would share. Um, but but yeah, so the interview uh, there's almost there's an interview segment in almost every episode, and sometimes it's the beginning, and sometimes it's somewhere else, and sometimes it's Kira, sometimes it's somebody else. But getting to kind of layer those out and figure out what interview segment goes with which with which story segment was was a fun, um, interesting writing challenge to kind of see, A, using that to convey some some backstory and some expository information that would kind of be a boring info dump in a, <laughs> within a scene, but also thematically, how do I, how do I layer these in? So yeah, that, a, lot of, a lot of thought actually went into which, which interview scenes go in which episodes. You don't mind, do you mind going into that process a little more? Like what does your outlining process look like? Uh, my... <laughs> <laughs> I have an outline. Um, I have two outlines. I have, and see, this is a podcast, so I'm going to show you a picture, but I won't. So this is an episode. Um, right, this is the next episode. Or uh, so, and I guess when I say I get, um, I kind of episode. That's an episode. Like after Jerome uh, Hotel, they go to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do it. There's a time slip story in Las Vegas, um, and uh, time slip stories are fine. Uh, so that's the that's the whole Las Vegas story. Um, and so I use different um, notation markers for like interview segments, and um, I use different notation markers for. Uh, I'm going to bring this in that has to do with uh, the uh, Julia and Hassam story, um, and I have other markers for uh, bringing in uh, Kira's backstory and that that ghost that's going to start showing showing herself more and more as as they go along so so yeah so um and then i have a more general outline that's kind of the whole um the whole season mm -hmm. with they go to jerome hotel then they go to las vegas um then there's going to be something in jackson's chop shop and that one will actually be one of the few stories that's not based it's based on different ghosts i mean an amalgamation of several ghost stories um with a haunted motorcycle and then um, yeah. And then so I have some stories where I'm like, these plot points need to happen, but I don't know who the ghost is yet or where they're going to be. So <laughs> those are the ones where somebody can make suggestions and I could, you know, you know, go to go to that location. So, so yeah, so it's a, it's a, I'm an, I'm an outliner. Um, I, I don't have detailed outlines. I'm not one of the people who has this point of view and, you know, but, but I have like a general, this happens in this scene, this happens in this scene, this happens in this scene. Um, yeah, 
and I write then I write sequentially after that. I was just gonna say I love because I know the listeners can't see that visual, but it was a giant paper mm -hmm. with sticky notes. Okay. So I love the way that you can move those around. Like it, it's like cue cards mm -hmm. on a corkboard, right? I think that's such a smart yeah. idea for for scene construction. Yeah, I've got that idea from Farah Rashan, who's a fantastic author of you. Um, if you like romance, <laughs> nice. So I want to give yeah, I want to give credit to her. <laughs> So you've written a number of romantic and urban fantasy books. How would you say that writing this horror serial is different? Um, it's um, it's been an interesting transition, but I was I guess a lot. I, I love romance. Like I come from writing it. That's where I where I learned uh, the craft of my first novel was a ro uh, was romance. So. Uh, and I, I think the things that romance does extremely well um, is interpersonal relationships and um, and tension. Um, and in a romance novel, it's sexual tension. It's you know between the the characters as, as that builds. But the same kind of skills that you use for writing sexual tension, you can use for any other kind of tension. Which is actually why you do end up with a lot of like I said, we just recently watched Crimson Peak, which is kind of horror and kind of romance and very gothic and. Um, I think that, that horror and romance actually have a surprising amount in common because they're both about um, an inspiring emotion, you know, um, and one is fear and one is one is, is love. Um, so, so that I, I think that uh, romance writing is actually a great training ground for for a lot of genres that have to do with with character development and interpersonal relations and inspiring emotion and intention because so much of it transfers over. Um, so, yeah. So, and those are. Writing, writing, writing the way people interact with each other is one of my favorite things and discovering what they, what they don't get and what they do get and how they help each other and how they hinder each other. And, uh, so, yeah. Do you have any, uh, any tips that you could share with uh, how to write good character interaction? Oh, um, well, um, my, I love writing dialogue. And I, I think one of the, the fun, most fun things about dialogue is what we don't say. Um, and like the the ways that people try to get what they try to get their point across or try to get what they want without giving without playing all of their cards. Um, and it's always fun to write a character who's who's a little more honest and, and a character who's a little less honest and see how that how that plays off of each other and how that that builds misunderstanding. But it's not an artificial misunderstanding. Like nobody. Nobody really likes to to lay all their cards on the table. So dialogue, I think, is 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 key. And then watching what people say versus what they do. So you know, you talk tough, but then you put your hand on someone's back to comfort them, or you know, you you give an insult while also making sure the person gets what they need. And so that tension between what, how you act and, and what you say. Yeah, I think so. that's a really great tip, and I, I love how you just talked about you know. There's what you want and what you want to say, but then walking it back to what you actually say. So I think that is a great tip. Yes. <laughs> so uh, adding on to that, what kind of scene is like your favorite scene to write? Um, that I love writing the big juicy emotional scenes. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, like, yeah, I'm trying to, to again, don't want to give, give anything away, but at the end of the Jerome Hotel, like writing that scene at the very end where they 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 fight the, the final ghost uh, and then using that to kind of 
show uh, some emotional depth in, in Jackson and then Jessica, one of the other characters, and, and how and Kira realizes something about them and, and using that ghost as a springboard for um, all of these characters' emotions and, and when they have to be a little bit more honest to solve the problem. And, and uh, that's, that's really my favorite kind of scene is when it's, when it's really sort of juicy and, and <laughs> reality comes to play despite our best intentions. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So I know we've talked a little bit about your author notes already, but I really think it's one of the best uh, use of author notes that I've read so far about, you know, asking about the hashtags, asking about Thank what you. ghosts you'd like to see. <laughs> Is there any other way you're planning to use your author notes uh, as you go through the serial? Um, I do start giving, as it goes further along into the Jerome Hotel, I do start giving some information about the Jerome Hotel and about the different ghosts in the Jerome Hotel. So you also start to see some like research notes um, and, uh, and a little bit like, uh, cause obviously like ghost stories are always very, tend to be very vague, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, and a lot of times they don't know who this good, they, 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 they said that there's this ghost who does this, but nobody really knows who it is. And, you know, um, and, in uh, and, and so I'll use the author notes to kind of, uh, do a little bit of research and like, I took this idea of this ghost and it became this you know there's a there's a ghost that's a nurse uh, supposedly a nurse at the Jerome hotel and she shows up in the um in that first episode and so i talk a little bit about the, the ghost story of her and, and and how she's obviously a lot more detailed and fleshed out in the in the actual story and uh, so yeah so the research notes mostly so in terms of writing uh what does your routine look like either by a daily practice or a weekly practice well, <laughs> I try to write every day. Um, I, this is something I'm still working on, uh, on developing, unfortunately. Um, I am, I also have a part-time job. I'm an editor. And, uh, so my clients work, my client's deadlines always has to come before mine, um, which, um, I'd like to get to the point where I'm writing, where, where my income is strictly from my writing and not from both. But right, as long as I've, as long as I've got editing clients, I have to put their deadlines first because that's that's a, that's a promise that I make to someone else. Um, and I have two kids, and um, so and the pandemic kind of threw everything out because they've been, you know, learning from home. And um, yeah, so. Um, I would like to have a regular writing schedule in which I I, I am I'm very good and, and sit down and I'm I've never been up but I I, I don't I have a tendency to write in bursts um, and, and sit down when I can between uh, between the other things that are going on because I don't have um, with with kids and with an editing gig like some weeks that's all I, all I have is editing and I don't really have much time for anything else and some weeks I don't have anything going on I'll be like I'm not taking a client for two weeks so that I can get some of my own stuff done so it's very hard for me to have a regular schedule I just yeah. kind of write in the craft darn day jobs <laughs> yeah what's up with that getting in the way <laughs> and the kids all of that <laughs> yeah. my kids are really good they're you know they're, they're great great people but they're um yeah, but they, they have needs and they don't always come on a schedule. <laughs> so what is your current release schedule for your serial and are you planning to keep it that way or, or tweak it or how's that working out for you? Yeah, 
Um, right now I'm releasing on Fridays and, um, and for the, the time being, because I am writing, um, as I go along, I mean, I have, I have a little bit into the future written, but, um, I'm doing one a week just because as I said, my, my life is chaotic and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to promise something that I can't deliver. So right now I'm doing once a week and my episodes are a little on the long side. They're, you know, they all tend to clock in around 2,500 words. So um, I'm not, I know a lot of people are writing more than 1,000 to 1,500 words. So I get, you get one longer episode as opposed to multiple short episodes. I just can't, I can't hook, I don't know, it's horror. Horror has, they have to have that atmosphere and that a little bit slower for me. So mm -hmm. that is for now. Um, I might change the day in the future, but I don't have plans to do more than one episode yeah. right now. But I agree with that. Like horror is all about that slow tension build. So that's, that's a really <laughs> important part of writing horror. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you have any books or methods that you found useful when you've been working on these serials? Um, see, uh, actually, there's uh, Sarah Cannon um, does a has one of my favorite plot structures that I've ever seen. It's based on the K M Wyland, I think, or Wyland Wyland K. I hope I'm saying yeah. It's K M Wyland. You're right. Yep. Well, that, okay, I think it's based on the K.M. Wyland, but the way that, that Sarah Cannon puts it is, um, is, is resonates very closely with me. Uh, now, that's more for book writing. Um, oh, um, and I actually, um, have, um, my husband got me masterclass for <laughs> Mother's Day this year, which has been fantastic. I've listened to Neil Gaiman and I've listened to... Um, to uh, I, we, R.L. Sign actually had a really great uh, masterclass. I was, uh, you know, but um, Shonda Rhimes um, has a has a masterclass on there, and she goes into the structure for writing television episodes, uh, and that was actually really useful because this, as I said, works a lot more like television um, than it does like a novel. Because um, my serial is not, I know some people are releasing like basically a cut up novel as a serial, and this is not a cut up novel. This is you know written more as a serial. So Shonda Rhimes. Um, um, outline for for writing uh, episodic episodic television is actually fantastic. So if you have access to Masterclass, I highly recommend her. <laughs> awesome. I used to. Maybe I'll renew that. I don't know. <laughs> but the Neil Gaiman was fantastic. Yeah, I definitely is. recommend that one. Agreed. All right. I have one last question. <laughs> what would you say to someone who is looking to start a serial? Oh, um, do it. Have fun. Like, you know, as a Writing is such a um, write anything in the arts is such a, such an adventure, um, and it has its pitfalls. And you can't count on it for for money. Although I think artists should be paid, um, and I don't, I have some frustration with our system and the way it doesn't regard the work of artists as being worth monetary compensation. I guess uh, just because you love something doesn't mean it's not you know it's not worth worth, worth being paid for. Uh, so yeah, so I guess if I was going to sell someone, it would be like write what you love because you won't, um, you can't guarantee, you're not guaranteed money. So, so do what, do what makes you, what fills your soul and makes you happy. Um, but also pay attention to your, to your readers and your market, because we don't want to finding that balance between, um, writing something people want to read and, and writing what makes you, your, what makes your soul happy is, is where the balance is. That's terrible advice because it goes on for too long and is convoluted. Um, <laughs> I guess do it and have no expectations. That's my advice. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you very much for joining us today. We had a great time. Yes. yes thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the show. 
Our thanks today to Reese Landstrom for letting us break down their episode. Finally, we want to thank you for listening to the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast rating and review, we read all of them and take your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on our website at SerialFictionShow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and we'll see you next time with another Serial Fiction episode. And that's that's a a wrap. wrap. Okay, now we have to hear the ghost story before okay. we go. Okay. I have not heard this story either. I well, I have a lot of ghost stories um, because oh, I'm a weirdo. And, but, uh, That's awesome. I love, ghost stories. I love like, people's ghost stories. Those are the best. Okay, Christine, you can't put this in the bonus part because I said so. Anyway, so we went to the Hawthorne Hotel, which was for a writing event. And um, it's considered like one of the top haunted places, but apparently no one's actually died there. So I don't really understand that. But regardless, um, I was in, I didn't know this at the time, but I was in the hotel room that is right next to the like second most haunted hotel room, which is like, uh-huh. I don't know why you, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and so like, I had dreams all night of being murdered, which was great. I loved it. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> oh, I hated every minute of it. so that was wonderful um and then in the basement um in the like the men's room area i was in there and like i immediately got this scent of like pipe smoke and like whenever this stuff happens to me like i know the stuff that i like am sensing isn't real versus real but it's still like very prominent and it's hard to like explain that to someone who but like if you could imagine what the scent of pipe smoke is and imagine it to such a degree that you could almost smell it like it's that mm-hmm. sort of like mm-hmm. i don't know sense uh because i know that it's not real but i'm able to, to sense it mm-hmm. so i'm in this basement and i got this like strong sense of pipe smoke and then i immediately felt like i was being like bustled around by people like there was just like it was super crowded i was the only one in this bathroom and all of a sudden i just like was choking on this like smoke and it was like so much i had to like leave and like the moment i left the door everything like even the like residual scent had just vanished and i was just like i would rather not do that again yeah wow i would not sleep for the rest of my life if that (laughs) happened to me